Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the show, a truly long-awaited show, we have Ryan Peterson, the CEO of Flexport, though he's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Ryan, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. This is such a treat. Are you ready to dive in? I am. Let's go. Hell yeah, let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Census. With Census, gone are the stress-inducing days of pestering your engineering team to build a custom pipeline to get the data you need. Or worse, trying to hack code yourself to get even one accurate data point. Census is a reverse ETL tool that syncs trusted data from the data warehouse into your CRM or your marketing automation platform or your advertising platforms, finance tools, and more. The best part of Census, no coding or engineering favors required. With Census's point-and-click UI, you can sync hundreds of thousands of data points from the data warehouse to your tools in minutes. Lightning speed, baby! I so wish we had a tool like this when I was running BizOps at my last tech job. And honestly, I'm guessing my friends on the data science team do too. (laughs) If you're scaling a product-led growth company or really just any company that has a data warehouse and wants to get data in your business tools without uh, waiting weeks in the request queue, check out getcensus.com slash non-technical. Ryan Peterson is the founder and CEO of Flexport, the platform for global trade. With $2.2 billion in venture capital backing from Andreessen Horowitz, Founders Fund, Google Ventures, Bloomberg Beta, and others, Flexport helps over 2,000 companies manage their global supply chains. Before starting Flexport, Ryan was the founder and CEO of Import Genius, the largest provider of business intelligence for the international trade industry. He earned his MBA from Columbia and a BA in economics from UC Berkeley. Ryan Peterson, welcome to Non-Technical. Hello. Hello. I'm so happy to have you here today. We were talking earlier. We have a couple mutuals, which is what landed you in the podcast today. Yeah. Great to be here. Hell yeah. Also, if you uh, did your undergrad in in the Bay and you did your graduate degree in New York, that means you, like me, have done the bi-coastal move at least once. Uh, Several times, yeah. I'm from the East Coast, came out here, I'm back again. That's amazing. Where on the East Coast are you from? I grew up in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., Bethesda, Maryland. I was just in D.C. this weekend. Oh, yeah? What did you learn? (laughs) What did I learn? I learned that T Street is incredibly cute. Okay. That didn't used to be the case. I don't remember ever going to T Street, no. Oh, it was awesome. It was picturesque. Did you know that in Washington, D.C., there is no J Street? And the reason is that... Jay used to be slang for a prostitute. <gasps> so they just got rid of it. Oh my God. Ryan, you've already taught me so much. Thank you. That's incredible. I had no idea. I don't think that had never occurred to me before. I don't know if that's related to jaywalking or not. Jaywalking or like a John. Let's talk about prostitution as much as possible. Okay. So first, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy to have you here. I want to start with this. How did you spend your last day off? Do weekends count? Sure, if they count to you. I was in a wine country of California. It was 112 degrees and I went swimming. So it it was great. I didn't mind the heat. That's amazing. Where in wine country were you? Little town called Healdsburg. Oh, Healdsburg is so cute. Wow. Speaking of cute places, Healdsburg. Yes. Lovely little town. Lovely little town. It's one of those towns where there's at least two or three great coffee shops. There's a cute bookstore. And it's one of those towns where you see those sort of like eclectic clothing, not tchotchkes, but like upscale tchotchke stores. 
stores. Does that make sense? They've got like nice pashminas. Yep. There's a little kid's store. I took my daughter there. I was like, I'm going to buy her a toy. And then it was like $80 for a little stuffed animal. (laughs) And I said, I would come back later. Classic. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, Yeah. the, The most expensive stuffed animal I've ever seen, I think, was when I was a little kid. And I'm from Connecticut. I'm also from the East Coast. And I think I was taken to FAO Schwartz. Did you ever go to FAO Schwartz when you were younger? Right by where the Apple store is now in Manhattan. Exactly, right around the corner from it. And they would have those huge bears, the bears that look like they would take up the entire room. And I always wondered who bought those. How much were they? I think at least $1,000. Wow. I'll have to fact check Yeah, my parents took me there and we didn't buy anything. Also, I had the same experience. It was more of a looking experience. (laughs) I I think (laughs) more of a museum of fancy toys. That's great. Yeah. Hillsburg is super fun. Okay. So is there a song that whenever you hear it immediately takes you back in time? Yeah. You know, the Almond Brothers, probably the Midnight Rider. Oh, okay. Because, you know, my college roommate, he was really into music. Okay. And he didn't know about the Almond Brothers. And it's like the only okay. time I ever introduced someone who was into music to a new band. And I'm so proud of that to this day. Yeah. Now he loves the Almond Brothers all because of me. What a legacy for this person. Yes. <laughs> Every time he hears the Almond Brothers, he's probably like, that Ryan Peterson. <laughs> probably denies that I introduced him to the band. But... <laughs> that is the thing about recommending a band to somebody who's really into music. It's kind of risky. It's kind of bold, right? Yeah, especially for me because I'm not that into music. So it's like pretty rare. Yeah. Do you feel out of your comfort zone making music recommendations? For sure. I'm deaf in one ear and I oh, really? don't actually listen to music and I yeah. I listen to audiobooks all the time rather than music. Not that fun to like ride in a car with unless you like audiobooks. <laughs> I was gonna say for the right person, you're probably <laughs> super fun to be in the car with. You know, like the things that most people like to discuss are like food and music. And I don't really like yes. talking about either of them. Really? Yeah, it makes me a little bit boring to hang around with or I'm bored by other people. I don't know. I don't know that I like to talk about food. I like to eat it. I am unable to translate the words into flavors or vice versa. Okay. Like I couldn't describe to you what I ate. And if you tell me what you ate and put all these words on it, I can't, it doesn't register to my brain. Okay. So it's not, that's not adding any value for you to talk about like the notes of the coffee. No. I see. What about basic descriptors? Can you do like spicy, hot, good. Yeah. As long as it actually aligns to something in my experience, like when they do that on wine or something, yeah, uh, you lose me. I think you're making I understand. Sense, so. I feel sometimes that I know just enough about wine to be like a little bit dangerous. Like I can probably order for the table, but not in a way that will impress anybody who knows what they're talking about. I also think that a lot of ordering the right wine is just ordering it with confidence. Ah, uh, Don't you think? I could be. I actually quit drinking alcohol a few years ago. So I'm not, Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not one of those like people who never drank alcohol. Like yeah. what do you call those people? Like losers or something? <laughs> no, I drank too much alcohol and then had to quit. Yeah. I, I think that that's actually a huge wave in the last few years. I'm seeing that so much more and more. That's good. That's good. I felt uh, it was really messing up my sleep. Oh, I hear that a lot. That's that's something that people get wrong because they think, no, it makes you fall asleep. But once you fall asleep, it disrupts the quality. Yeah, totally. It was really mm. it was really making my life hard. Damn. Well, I'm so happy it's not making your life hard anymore. Uh, yeah, one, one less thing, one less thing. Isn't that right? Like literally sometimes when I can just get a small win, like 1% better or get like 1% of my time back, I am so happy. I think my body needs to have an addiction though. So it doesn't really help any. I mean, now I'm just drinking more coffee and- uh, Oh, really? 
Yeah, I don't know. Playing like using my phone more or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I'm always, another bad habit will fill in. What's today's addiction? You said using your phone a lot. Yeah, I got to stop using my phone so much. Have you put it in grayscale? Yeah, you know, I no, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> Me neither. The friends that I have who go really hardcore on it, they put their phone in grayscale, so it's not as tempting. They're lucky that you still call them your friend. Really, the size of my heart is evidenced by the fact that one of my best friends is an Android user. Oh, yeah, totally. And I think that really demonstrates my compassion as a human. You're a good person. I thought Apple has a great credit card business by only issuing credit cards to Apple iPhone users. It's like a brilliant way to make sure you get repaid. It's fantastic. They've really got it under control. You don't pay your credit card bill, they take your iPhone away. So like you're going to you're going to pay your bill. So Ryan, tell me this. What's something you're really good at that it would surprise most people to learn about you? Maybe speaking Spanish? Oh. I used okay. to be really good at speaking Spanish and Portuguese. And Portuguese. I lived in mm. South America for a year. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if I'm really good at it, but... But you think you're maybe better than most people would expect you to be? Yeah. Mm. What brought you to South America? Study abroad program at UC Berkeley. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I, I, st- I spent a year in South America. And then I, um, in high school, actually, um, I went to El Salvador. Oh, and really? Volunteer kind of program. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. So I learned Spanish in El Salvador. That's amazing. You said you think you're losing it, or you said you think you maybe are not as good at it anymore? Yeah, I don't practice it that much. I, I used to speak Chinese as well. I've totally lost that. Oh, wow. I'm not even going to pretend that I speak Chinese anymore. I can say a few words. I lived in China for two years. So like, I think it would come back. If I, I think it would come back if you were put in a position where you could have a conversation with someone who spoke Chinese or who spoke Spanish. It would have to be a lot of those positions. And these days it's like, <laughs> I don't know if the effort, the return on investment is there for learning languages, to, what? to be honest. Oh, interesting. You can like Google Translate so good. Yeah, it's true. When like, you don't need the language as much in these countries anymore. I know. You can just like use Google Maps instead of asking people for directions. And Uber will just take you where you want to go. I know. How do you feel about that though? Because I feel like good question mark. You know, like I also like knowing where things are. I like knowing how to communicate without relying on the shiny rectangle. It's way less of an adventure now. But honestly, I feel that it'll be less and less every year because imagine before the 747 was invented. Like we never got to experience that era of travel. Mm -hmm. Like really see what this world was like before you flooded it with tourists. You know, I just, I was in Venice recently and I read uh, Mark Twain's Hmm. Innocence Abroad is his uh, book that he wrote about traveling back in the 1850s or something. His trip to Venice was like, like, very authentic. There were not foreigner tourists there. It was like you were really seeing like the local Venetian ceremonies and culture or people and stuff. You know, you get nostalgic for that. And so then you assume you've missed out on everything, but actually our kids will will have missed out. Probably still the greatest day is today to go travel. It'll get worse, it will get worse every year as uh, as tourism becomes too easy. What is the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? So something pretty inconsequential that you would really go to bat for. Oh, incon. Well, I don't think I would die on a tiny hill. I would only die for really important things. That's a boring answer. It's not a boring answer. It's, it's an interesting answer. I want to dig in though and really find out if it's true. So you, what you're saying is that there's nothing that like irks you more than you think it, it bothers the average person? No, you know, I don't know what the, I don't know a lot of average people these days. I don't know what they're, uh, what they're upset or not upset about. Let me try to think a little harder. Where do I disagree with the world the most often? What have people been citing on this one? I had one a few months ago that was 
honeydew and cantaloupe are great fruit and not filler fruit. People refer to them as filler fruit in the fruit salad. Like they're just there to fill it out for volume. But I think they're great fruit. Yeah, they're wrong. Those are like the best fruits to go for. They are great fruits. See, okay, by the way, Ryan, it's you, me, and Mark Cuban who thinks this. And that's about it. Mark Cuban said that? I shared that hill with him and he also agreed. Okay, I'm with you. Aside from Maslow's hierarchy of needs, what's something you couldn't go a day without? A day, I'd probably do a day without anything, but I'm I'm really addicted to the internet. I think the internet's the most amazing thing in the world. That's okay. the most amazing invention in human history, probably. And every year at Thanksgiving, I give thanks for the internet for the last 15 years. Running. Really? Maybe even 20 years running every year. I've been making my living on the internet for the last 20 years. I never had a job in my life other than I made pizza at Domino's. But pretty much ever since then, I mean, I worked for my older brother for a while and then we started a company together. But it was, mm. and so I don't like it when people tell me, you know, stop, you're too addicted to the internet or something because I think it's uh, everything for me and how yeah. it made my living, made my life what it is today through the internet. I don't like these idea of these vacations where you like disconnect and go away from the internet. No, you don't want to go away from the internet. You want to stay plugged in. You don't want to go off the grid. You want to stay on the grid. No, I don't. I apologize for those out there that think that makes me a terrible person. But uh, I, I just really enjoy being connected to, to all the world's people and information at all the times. So now, I think it's harder and harder to find stuff that you can believe and know what's true. Mm. But that's part of the fun part of it. You know, like Wikipedia, it's an amazing resource. But like, who, yeah. who wrote all this stuff? Yeah, a lot of people. And they're very passionate people. Did you know, though, that only 700 people wrote 80% of all the content on Wikipedia? <gasps> 700 individuals. That's terrifying. I want to know who they are. I also want to know who they are. Who are they working for? Whoa. How do they know okay, so that's much pretty stuff? Interesting. They're citing a lot of things. <laughs> I don't know anything about it, but I'm very curious. Really? 700? That's the statistic that I saw published recently. I forget where. That's a manageable number of people to interview. Right? Like we could sit down with all of those people. It would not be a crazy undertaking. It'd be a big project, but it wouldn't be insane. A lot of neck beards. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, neards as far as the eye can see, I can only imagine. Okay, Ryan, how about this? What's your most irrational fear? Is heights irrational or rational? It depends on how, what how good you are at balance. Balance, and then I think also it depends like how, what the structural integrity is of the thing that you're on top of. Okay, yeah, I get pretty scared of heights. Okay. Which is bad because I like to ski. Ooh. And, Do you get scared uh, of heights on the chairlift? No, not on the chairlift. I'm okay with that. Okay. You're okay uh, with the chair. Do you go bar, you go bar down though, I'm assuming? Uh, Yeah. If there's a bar, I would like to put it down. Are there sometimes not bars? Sure. I'd freak out. I don't like that. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I can, yeah. I'm fine on chairlifts. I'm fine inside on like a regular ski resort too. It's like if I'm hiking on top of something and looking down and uh, it gets a little scary. Okay. I think it's rational though. So let's, well, maybe that doesn't count. Irrational fear. I'm okay. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not consumed by fear these days. I'm doing okay on the fear front. That's great. What are you doing? Meditating? How'd you do it? Do some meditation. Love that. Uh, lift weights. That helps with the fear? I think so, yeah. Is no, that no. because you're like, bring it on life. I can, I'm strong. I can take it. I could defend myself if I had to, I okay. think, in that's most good. circumstances. At least enough that you'd rather fight someone else. I think that's good. Yeah, I, that's right. It's not necessarily being able to win. It's being able to not be picked sometimes. Yeah, exactly. You're going to rob someone else, not me. That's the look I'm going for. Pretty good. What do you think the three words are your closest friends and family would use to describe you? I think people would call me creative, maybe absent-minded. Oh, really? Surprisingly for some, hmm. if you don't know me, but yeah, I'm like one of those 
forget things kind of things. Just like losing things all the time. I don't like get attached to things. So that makes it fine. That helps. But other people can't deal when they see me lose like something and not care. Yeah. And barely look for it. They think that I'm completely crazy, but they don't realize how often I lose things and how little yeah. I, so then I just don't get attached to things. It's a self-fulfilling cycle. Cause if you don't look for the thing, you're definitely not going to find it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but if it's not that important to begin with, then that's fine. Like that's what my mom does because she keeps losing her sunglasses. So now she buys really inexpensive sunglasses that she doesn't care about. Yeah. You know, Amazon Kindle store will tell you like the devices that you've synced to. Oh, okay. I need to figure out how to clear that out because it's super <laughs> embarrassing. Like I've got- Are there like 25 Kindles? <laughs> not just Kindles, right? Because it does every iPhone, your Mac. Like it's embarrassing if someone was to see that list of them. Yeah. So creative, absent-minded. And is there a third one? I've always been very driven, kind of self-motivating driven. Sure. Work. And I don't, I don't, I'm not like affixed any goals, actually. I never really used goals in my life. And I'm also not that competitive. When I like a problem, I just really enjoy working on it. And I'm get very, very focused on deliver, you know, just continuing to move on that problem and be creative about it. So, yeah, yeah, but I'm not, not, not like I have some goal or some need to prove myself or something more, just mm. like something innate. I like to work. Cool. Creative, absent-minded, driven. Okay. Yeah, that's probably reasonable. I bet you they think of something else too. No, I think that sounds great. What's the most recent time where you laughed the hardest? <laughs> Oh, man. A friend of mine was trying to get a job as a venture capitalist in this okay. famous venture capital firm. Sure. After taking him through the interview process, told him that they thought he was an N of 10 and they're looking for N of 1. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm still laughing about that. It's like the most savage thing you could tell a job candidate. It's like, you're just not that special. I think you're an N of 10. <laughs> that is remarkable. <laughs> that was yesterday. I've been laughing about that for the last 24 hours. I can't imagine delivering that feedback to someone. That's not even constructive feedback. It's just a burn. He appreciated it. He agreed. He's like, you know what? He agreed? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. You know, I think there's something to be said for being a little bit more savage in your, uh, and more direct in your communication. This investor once reached out to me wanting to invest in Flexport. I'd had a bad experience with his firm at a, in a prior life at a different company mm -hmm. I started and nothing to do with this guy, but I, I replied to this nice email that the guy wrote and yeah. I just wrote one word, which was unsubscribe. Brian, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, the shade. <laughs> he got really, really upset because he didn't know any contacts. He was like, what? And then he ended up investing after that. Oh my God. You negged this man into investing into your company. <laughs> and our friends, you know, it was like, uh, people respect the savageness sometimes. I really think so. Yeah. I mean, especially in investing, in my opinion. <laughs> wow. Unsubscribe. Whew. Okay. I don't know if I'm at that level, but I do think that as I get older, I care a little bit less about being uh, as delicate as I used to feel like I had to be. I think there's real power in that. And then also there's a lot of power in uh, being self-deprecating and not taking yourself too seriously. Oh my God. Yes. That's the best. People like people like that. So. Oh yeah. I, that's the best. I am a big fan of that approach. Obviously. It'd be very hard to do what I do if that wasn't the case. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't doing what you do now professionally, what would you be doing? There's like two things that I would like to work on. One is they're both kind of like Batman related now that I think about it. Oh, 
Well, okay. I would like to be involved in crime fighting in some way. Okay. All the chaos that's happening in the streets of American cities, I think is like worthy yeah. of like investigation of what's going on out here. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't see like a lot of interest in it. I find it to be, even just from an entertainment perspective, like mm-hmm. it's messed up to say, but like I used to like that TV show Cops. Like I think they're- yeah. The real world, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening. And I, Absolutely. I like to dig into that more. I'm not sure there's a business model. Did Batman have a business model? I don't think so. Yeah, he was selling weapons on the side, like Bruce Wayne. Was he actually? Weren't they a weapons manufacturer? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's how he made all the awesome bat cars and stuff. Yeah, but his fighting crime itself was not a part of that business model. That was the nonprofit arm of the business. And then Wayne Industries or Enterprises, that was the for-profit so that's one. That's one that I think is a intriguing what's happening out there okay. uh the other thing for me is uh firefighting oh i survived a fire when i was like maybe 20 really? years old yeah house fire my house burned down that i grew up in oh my god barely escaped with my life i got burned on the tops of my ears and <gasps> and i watched the firemen kind of come and put it out it looked super fun wow uh, it looked like a really fun job firefighting yeah. and that's just like at a local level but these forest fires that we have in california and in the west it just seems to me that we're sitting around waiting for the government to stop them and put them out. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, it's an area that I'm very interested in. Like, mm. isn't there some tech or some better way to do this? That that would be a fun problem to work on. That would be a really, I mean, that would be a very impactful problem to solve for sure. Challenge is it has to be a government solution because right. it's a public good and you'd like the government to pay for those things. So it should be solved yes. by the government. I'm just yeah. a, a little worried that the government's inept. Right. I would say, um, I'd say many people would agree. I, and I would probably count myself among them. So putting out fires, it seems to me that if you could just detect the fire hmm. within 15 minutes, and then you could put it out before it becomes a forest fire, put it out while it's small. So the answer is somewhere between San Francisco's Batman and Smokey the Bear with AI. Those are the two problems that are bothering me the most lately. Okay. I think those sound great yeah. to work on. I mean, not the, the problems themselves are not good. Not great. You working on them sounds good. <laughs> I don't know how to solve the crime problems, but the fire, it seems like, hey, you know, it'd be more fun actually, man against nature. Yeah, definitely. Do you use emojis? Yeah, I do. Okay. Thought experiment for you. Approximately how many emojis do you think you use on a daily basis? Um, a lot more since I figured out there's a keyboard shortcut to bring up the emoji. What do you call it? Keyboard? Yeah, the emoji keyboard on, on the Mac. I think it's command shift space or something like that to bring it up like in when you're typing yeah oh i didn't know that oh yeah you're gonna go nuts now, now that you know uh wait wow i'll tell you what it wait. is i'm pretty sure it's coming yeah. space uh, i'll have to google it but there's a keyboard okay. and it just comes up whoa okay this is really interesting what's your most used emoji do you think that's the fun part about the keyboard shortcut is it tells you because it, it has oh. your priorities and mine are like the American flag a rocket ship like the graph going up into the right <laughs> can we just pause for a second <laughs> can we pause <laughs> this is a great look into someone's personality you put the keyboard shortcut and see what the rocket you. ship and the chart going up into the right <laughs> yeah that was beautiful. <laughs> it's a good it's a good test for whether you should invest in someone's startup is like look at their emojis. That's a great point. I think that should be one of those questions. And that's how you can find out if someone's an N of 10. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, this is a two-part question for you. First part, what chapter of your life would make for the most interesting movie plot? And then the second part of that is who would play you in a movie about your life? Probably like my 20s. 
Hmm. I was pretty broke. I lived in all over the world. I did a lot of travel, kind of like adventure was my core value at that time. Mm -hmm. Like my most important values, like I wanted to just go on adventures and learn. I lived in China for a few years. I wrote a, uh, the first ever business school case study about an African company, the first published case study in Nigeria. Wow, that's awesome. Robbed at Machete Point in a high-speed motorcycle chase in, in West Africa. I was on a uh, I was hijacked separately on a bus that was hijacked in El Salvador. What? I got most of that out of my system in my 20s and my 30s have been all about building companies. But my 20s, I just like wanted to travel the world, learn languages. I'd like started some companies, but they were just mostly like income hustles to sure. keep traveling and adventuring around the world. Well, now it's making more sense that you're not as afraid of stuff because it's like, well, you already went through a bunch of things. <laughs> Yeah. That were scary. Yeah, yeah. I thought I, I thought I was gonna die a couple of times. Someone put a grenade in my face and a gun. Uh, what? Where? Wh- that was in El Salvador, and and then they held a gun to uh to my head, and then made for a good college essay. That was actually when I was in uh, high school. Now that I think about it. <laughs> I bet that was a hell of an essay. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if it would make a good movie. I feel like in the movie, that's just like whatever. Why? Oh, because people see that a lot in movies? Yeah, it's like the kind of thing you would expect in a movie, whereas in real life, it's like pretty traumatic. Yes, certainly traumatic in real life. I will say, though, I think it would depend on like the tone of the movie and why we were sharing those stories in it. Mm. Like if it was an action movie, I would expect that. Right. But if it wasn't an action movie and it still included some of those elements, that could be pretty interesting. I haven't thought about who would play me in a movie. I, don't, I feel like yeah. a movie about my life wouldn't be that interesting. It's like business. Well, what if we condensed it down to like a particular chapter? The year you lived in El Salvador could be pretty interesting. Yeah, that, I mean, it was pretty crazy. Um, the I think I would want to be played by Steve-O from Jackass. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. No notes. <laughs> the only celebrity anyone ever told me I look like was Steve-O from Jackass. Uh, that's why I grow my beard to look less like Steve-O. To look less like Steve-O. No, I'm just kidding, but. <laughs> okay, so if it was, if you were played by Steve-O, he could do his own stunts. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Take whipp- whippets and stuff. Is that going to be a key plot point in the film? No, yeah. I've never, I've never no. done whippets. Um, okay, what if it was filmed jackass style? Like maybe what if this wasn't like a full, fully produced whatever? What if it was more like run and gun shot somewhere between a documentary and a scripted film? It could be pretty good actually if we had Steve O as CEO of Flexport for a day and just see what happens. Well, that's a fantastic idea. I almost set up the ultimate troll. I didn't pull it off. So one of Flexport's early employees is first cousins with David Copperfield. Okay. The magician. <laughs> We were doing a talent show and I was going to have David Copperfield pretend to be like the new guy. Oh my God. And it would have been the greatest like company skit thing of all time. That would have been so good. Uh, I guess they're like cousins, but not close enough. He could pull off something like that. I try to get him. That makes sense. Okay. So you referred to that as the biggest troll. Do you like to joke around troll, prank people, that kind of thing? Who, Who doesn't like that? Yeah. Some people don't like it. Oh, really? Yeah. We had this company that made really expensive uh, juicers as a customer. Okay. And they went bankrupt. And mm. we had uh, a whole bunch of their juicers. Okay. At, because we shipped for them. Yeah. I gave like this whole speech to our company. It was like around Christmas time. And I was like, look, we win as a team. We share in our victories. 
And we also have to share in our defeats. So for Christmas this year, everybody's getting a juicer. Oh my God. The juicers don't work without the company's juice bags. Yeah. So it was like this great troll that I pulled on the whole company. But wow, people, I think, thought that was funny, even though it was kind of cruel. <laughs> so your humor has a, like an edge to it, like a bit of a bite. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> also, I love how you said this juicer company, and then you say they're juice bags. As though there are hundreds of companies that could be responsible for juice bags that are now out of business. They're unfortunately defunct. I think a great concept. I want fresh juice. Yeah, it was an interesting concept. Yeah, who doesn't? Melons and honeydews. Hell yeah. Okay, but what kind of juice do you drink? If you're going to have a like a fresh press juice, what kind do you want? Green? I prefer to eat my juice with a spoon made out of acai berry. There's a lot to unpack in that sentence. You know acai? From Brazil? I do, but are you, you said you prefer to eat it with a spoon. You can't drink acai. It's too thick. So you're talking about just like an acai bowl. Yeah. Is that is that juice or not juice? That's not juice. It's not juice. No. The fruit is not what makes it juice. It's the liquid <laughs> I don't part? Think. Combo. Because other things have juice. Okay. Fair enough. But I think it has to be liquefied. That's an acai bowl in my book. Closer to the smoothie family. I, well, I lived in Brazil back in 2001, and I would eat acai every single day. I, I feel like I discovered acai way before it came to America. Yeah, 2001. That was way before everybody declared it an antioxidant. But then I found out it has like more sugar than chocolate in it. it has so much sugar. Because it would be a dollar for like a whole acai bowl with banana and granola yeah. and everything. And I would eat like three or four a day because I just- Oh my God. Oh my God. Right. Oh my God. That's so much sugar. <laughs> they were everywhere. They were so good. So, and I was- Were you bouncing? off the walls? I was 20 years old. I didn't really know any better. That'll do it. I think we can consider that a bowl. I think the scale is juice to bowl. And I think a smoothie is somewhere in the middle. I feel like, okay, fine. Yeah. What do you think about that? No, you can disagree. I think you're right. I don't think I say he's really yeah. a smoothie either or juice. It just seems like it's its own thing. I'm just really happy it finally made it to America. It's still yeah. not as good as the Brazilian ones, but like it's they're pretty good. Maybe that's why the U.S. flag is your most used emoji. You're just constantly celebrating that acai has landed. <laughs> Can you believe it's here? U.S. flag, U.S. flag, U.S. flag. <laughs> wow, this makes me want an acai bowl. Okay, so Steve-O is going to play you this movie. It's going to be maybe an unscripted slash partially scripted documentary run and gun. I think this is going to be great. I'm very excited. I think Steve-O as CEO would be a good, maybe give him like a week. See how it goes. Would he make real decisions? Probably not. I, I mean, yeah. I feel like we'd we'd have good like all hands. Yes. Meeting. I think that's a great idea. You should do that. If anybody knows Steve O out there, get him in touch. Hey Steve O, I can only assume you're listening to this podcast. Um, but Ryan would like to be in touch with you. Steve O, go ahead and get in touch with me, and then I will. I'll, I'll hook it up. I'll your your people can talk to my people. They'll talk to Ryan's people. Yeah, he's out there. He heard it. What personality trait of yours has gotten you into the most trouble? Uh, definitely my absent-mindedness mm. that I mentioned earlier. Forgetting things is one thing. Forgetting people is pretty bad. Forgetting people, like forgetting who they are or forgetting them at the airport, for example. For example, or like, you got to remember your friends, call them on their birthday and stuff like that. Oh, call yeah. People remember stuff's going on in their life and stuff. And I don't yes. know, I, I kind of like, I'll forget stuff. I relate to that. And I actually think that I feel really ashamed when I forget people who I haven't seen in a very long time. And I feel really bad if they remember me and I don't remember them. Mm, you'll get more of that over time, I assume. Very interesting, isn't it, to remember that all the people you ever met, unless they died, are still out there somewhere right now doing something. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? I know. They're just out there. 
Yeah. It's like, did you ever play The Sims? I know that game, but I never played it. I played a lot of SimCity. There's Sims people and there's SimCity people. I didn't play that much SimCity. That was when I was a kid. I played uh, Civ. Oh, you were a Civ guy. Still am. Yeah. Still am a Civ guy. Still. Hopefully they don't make a new one. I'm, I've kicked my addiction temporarily, but I assume there's a new one coming and then I'll- If they come out with a new one, you think you're going to get sucked back in? I definitely got to try it. Some of the smartest people I know play Civ. I think this is a, a common thread amongst some of the smartest people I know. Civilization is a great lesson in- compound interest and the power of compounding. You know, you got to get the thing going early. Absolutely. I love that. People should know about compound interest. I'm assuming the listeners of my show are already big in the compound interest game. But if anybody isn't, let me tell you, works like magic. Well, you were saying about Sims. What, what, what about that game? I don't remember it. Oh, I was just saying that in the Sims, if you save and close a family, there used to not be an ability for them to keep going while you weren't playing the game. So what that meant is that whenever you reopened it, they were exactly as you left them. Oh. And so it's, that's sort of what it, in my brain, feels like other people are like, someone yeah. who I maybe haven't seen. But instead, it's like the alternative option where the game's been running for 12 years. Yeah. And then you just open it back up and it's like, wow, you are a different person. Yeah. It's like, where does the universe get all this compute power to keep all these parallel lives <laughs> going? Seriously. So much compute. They, hopefully, they, hopefully we have a backup, frankly. <laughs> okay, Ryan, we are going to take a really quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Census. Sales, biz ops, and data teams alike agree Census is an absolute game changer. Say goodbye to dashboard graveyards, manually uploaded CSVs, and needing 10 different tabs to fully understand your customer. Census allows you to integrate data quickly and seamlessly into your desired CRM to get a full 360 customer view. This enables teams to score and prioritize leads and drive automation at scale. We love to see it! Teams across all business functions benefit from this streamlined efficiency and they have the numbers to prove it. Using Census, Figma has seen a 10x increase in sales productivity while Canva has been able to drive marketing personalization to over 50 million users. Yeah, I heard you. Wow is right. If you're looking to increase the productivity of your sales reps, personalize your customer communications and reduce churn, you can learn more at getcensus.com non-technical. We're back with Ryan Peterson, the CEO of Flexport. Ryan Peterson, we have arrived at a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. Are you ready? I hope so. I think so. We've arrived at the lightning round. Oh. Woo! Rocket chip emoji. Let's go. Okay, first question for you. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm, I don't know. I don't know how good I am at these lightning. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. Well, here's the thing. I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> It's really not much faster than the rest of the episode because frequently people say things and I'm very interested and I have follow-up questions. Oh, uh, okay. So cool. don't stress. Okay, first question for you. I think I know the answer. Coffee or tea? Oh, uh, coffee. How do you take it? Usually like cappuccino. Really? Yeah. Is that in a disposable cup or you sit down and you have a cappuccino? Whatever they serve me. Really? I think one of the most decadent things in the world is after you have some kind of nice meal out, like a special occasion meal, cappuccino at the end of dinner. Oh, but then how do you sleep? The night is usually young, Ryan. Oh. Maybe you don't have to sleep. I try to stop coffee at noon so I can sleep all night. Oh, man. No coffee in the afternoon. That's pretty good. You said that was one of your addictions. That doesn't sound like an addiction. I drink a lot in the morning. What's a lot? I, I can't count. It's a lot. <laughs> You can't count. Okay. You're on that constant cappuccino drip. 
feel even slightly, slightly uncertain about what this emotion is I'm feeling, then the answer is okay. just drink some more coffee. Let's go. Okay. It's like a bomb, it, like a soothing bomb, like a salve. It push, calms the emotion. Push through whatever the world is throwing at me. Yeah. That is also what I use coffee for. It doesn't for, work, so. but it's, uh, it's still, you just keep doing it anyway. So. Yeah. iOS or Android? iOS for sure. Only because of the blue chat bubbles, actually. I think Android's perfectly fine except for the green chat bubbles. I agree. Well, and the quality loss in photos via SMS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's iPhone's fault, but nonetheless. Oh, of course it is. Are you kidding? How else are they supposed to make it seem exclusive? Do you have a favorite board game? I really like the game Avalon, where you can see which of your friends is a great sociopathic liar. <laughs> Someone has definitely said Avalon before on the show. It's a fun game. Who do you play with? Some friends of mine. So, and you know which ones are sociopathic liars now? The ones who aren't good, who don't like to lie, don't like this game and they quit. And they and they make you all feel bad for being good at lying. It's like, hey, you know, it's like the game. Well, but that doesn't, just because you're good at lying doesn't mean you lie a lot. 100%. I, you know, I might be I, good at killing people. It doesn't make me yeah. a murderer. It doesn't mean you kill people all the time. Exactly. For example, I hate lying. I hate it. I never lie. The risk reward exchange is not right to me. There's just nothing I like about it. But by nature of a lot of what I do, I'm, I'm a very good liar. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I ever do it, but it yeah. means that I could. So what I'm saying is that I would like to play Avalon next time you play. All right. Avalon. All right. I'll let Please. you know. Thank you. Okay. Do you have a pump up song? No. No? Boring answer, but. No, it's not a boring answer. Do you have a pump up audio book? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been listening to the same audio book uh, for Many, many years over and over again. Really? It's uh, Will Durant, The Story of Civilization. But it's actually um, 11 books, each one of which is 40 hours. So it's like 400. Yeah, and it's like, it's very good. Okay, I hate to break it to you, but that's really going to cut into our interviewing all 700 people that are contributing to Wikipedia. I don't think you're going to have time to do both. Uh, yeah, exactly. Audiobooks are funny for me because like, I tune out. And I forget where I was, and then I go back. So yeah. I end up listening to the book like three or four times. Yeah, I don't pay that much attention. In some ways, though, does that help it stick better? Maybe, maybe. I, I learn a lot. Yeah, that happens to me sometimes. Okay, Ryan, this is my last question for you, which is deeply sad to me. Can you believe? I don't know. Can you believe that we're on the last question? Oh, wow, last question. <laughs> Are you sad? I, I am a little sad. Yeah, you look sad. I can see it. For listeners, you can't see There's a, a single tear just down Ryan's cheek right now. Ryan, okay, what would you title your memoir? I can't imagine myself writing a memoir. What Could you see yourself writing something else? Yeah. Well, I wrote a children's book. Oh, right. It's called The Big Ship and the Little Digger. It's about the ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That said, so writing children's books is extremely easy. Mm -hmm. The bar is very low. Most children's books yeah. are either about nonsense or communism. Yeah. <laughs> which, you know, maybe, maybe they're all about nonsense. Writing it is very easy. Drawing it is really hard. Did you do the illustrations? I did not do the illustrations. This great guy named Yanni Davros, who was Flexport employee, did the illustrations. That's amazing. Wow. All in the family. Also wrote another book, which I haven't told anyone about. And, oh. And this will be the first time I ever tell anyone about it. Huge scoop. Let's go. The U.S. Marine Corps has a book. It's called War Fighting. And mm. that's like the doctrinal manual that all Marines officers use to study the art of war. And I think it's a really beautifully written book. It's like a really, really good book in my opinion. Hmm. And I checked and because it's not, it's not under copyright as like a government document. So hmm. using uh, control F find and replace 
I changed 42 words and I turned it into a business book. Oh my God. And it's called Business Fighting. Oh my God. And it reads really well. Like 90% of it, you're like, wow, this is like a really inspirational, like interesting take, deep philosophical book about the art of competition and business. Yes. And then 10% of the time I forgot to do like a control F and there's still like something about violence or killing (laughs) the enemy or something, conquering their territory. That uh, So I... I, leaving it that way on purpose, I feel that it kind of adds to the flavor of the thing. So Yes. So did you publish it? I'm looking for a book deal. If you're out there, you want to put me in the nation's bookstores, I'm ready to go. Business fighting. That could be the name of your memoir. Could be, could be <laughs> yes. It could be a good memoir. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me on On Technical. This is awesome. Thank you for having me. Of course. Where can people find more about you online? My company's called Flexport.com and I'm on Twitter. My handle is TypesFast. How fast do you type? Not that fast. Maybe like 100 <laughs> words a minute or something. Was types not that fast? Too many characters? My older brother has types faster. Is his um, handle and he does type. That is an epic older brother troll. <laughs> does type faster than me, so I couldn't argue with it. That's awesome. Okay. And you can find me at Gay on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, or at non-technicalpod on all three. Ryan, thank you one more time for coming on the show. This has been such a treat. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bye.